It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thanks so much for being here. I feel like we haven't given a, a good proper intro to this podcast in a while. So let me give the the, the quick, maybe two-minute version here. So Politics by Faith, and I'll tell you why we called it that in a second as well. A lot of anxiety in the world, a lot of anxiety in politics. You saw a lot of it last week with the whole speakers race. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, just tensions are high. And if you watch the news, most people watch it at night. Or maybe first thing in the morning and you get all stressed out in the morning and then at night, it's the last thing you think about at night. You're like, oh, geez. And then you're supposed to go to sleep. So people are doom scrolling me. I'm doom scrolling all day long and just a lot of anxiety. So the goal of this podcast is to give you the top story and then give some historical perspective and biblical peace so that you can go to sleep at night. That, I mean, that's truly the vision. And we're not going to talk about the politics I'm not going to take political stances in this podcast. That's other shows where we do that. This is just to get the anxiety away. (laughs) So we have seven parts per episode. First, we start with the story, the top story. Then we explain it clearly, calmly. Then we break down what's really going on. What's what's the real root of this issue? Because it's not whatever political thing is on the surface. There's something deeper underneath in... uh, sermons it's called the fallen condition focus what's the what's the main root uh, nexus sin in this uh, topic that we can really talk about then we take some time to lament we really lean into it we don't ignore the problem or the anxiety we lament it uh, mourn it completely because that's the best way to truly start healing then we have a turn where we uh, bring in the historical story and then of course the biblical story and then we have uh, what's in your control that's part six, what's in your control. And then uh, part seven, just a concluding final thought to think about and meditate on so that you can go to sleep uh, soundly. So that's the format of the show. I'm grateful you're here. It's been a uh, success so far, and thank you for listening. The title, it's a play on Hebrews 11 and 12. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then the author goes into a list of the Old Testament saints by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, by faith, by faith. Uh, These men and women of God were made strong out of weakness. So this anxiety, it's making us weak, makes me weak, makes me, it's unhealthy. It's just like bad for you, your body. It's bad for your body and your mind and your soul, certainly. So, uh, but by faith, these men and women of God were made strong out of weakness. So these things that are causing anxiety can also make us stronger if we handle it properly, if we think about it the right way. And Hebrews goes on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We're going to get to that in today's episode. And do not grow weary or lose heart. That's the point. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. That's the point of why we're here. All right, let's get to it. Story of the day. It took 15 votes 
But the Republicans named a Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Took the most votes since 1854. And we'll tell you the story of that coming up later as well. So that is the big story of the day. Let's explain what's going on here. Um, again, in the politics, we're not talking politics here. We do that on my daily radio show. I filled in for uh, Breitbart News Daily on Sirius XM last Friday. So just in the thick of, of all of it, talked about it for three hours, <laughs> the politics of it. So there's plenty of political hot takes. But one thing that was so clear is the frustration from everyone. Everyone is so frustrated at everyone <laughs> and everything. The 200, the people who are on the side of the 200 were frustrated. The 20, the 20 were frustrated at the establishment, uh, independence, and, and everyone else was frustrated at all of it. Everyone's just angry. So I want to help all that wash away. Because honestly, I don't even think there needed to be any outrage at what happened last week. I don't think there needed to be any panic at all. The news, of course, wants to hype it up so that you click it. Right? The news and the left, they want you to think that this is the greatest embarrassment for the Republican Party in history. And then some more of the establishment Republicans called the 20 holdouts terrorists. Two Republican congressmen called them terrorists. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, and then there's the narrative that uh, the McCarthy supporters are sellouts who are betraying the roots of the party. It's like, ah, oh, geez, everyone. All right, so let's slow it down. So background, Washington, D.C., you have the Congress. The Congress is the U.S. Senate, 100 members, and the U.S. House of Representatives, 435 members. These 435 are elected by the people in each congressional district. These congressmen come together and pick their new leader, the Speaker of the House. The Speaker, by the way, does not need to be a congressman. The Speaker of the House could be anyone. could have been Donald Trump. What does the speaker do? The speaker runs the show. So the speaker decides everything, the calendar, the agenda, what bills will be voted on, which will not be voted on. They decide the committees, who's on the committee, who runs the committee. They're running the show. It's extremely important. A good speaker for the Republicans could make or break the next two years of Republican control. In history, there's been many times when this fight has been contentious. It was 100 years ago, 1923, when uh, a speaker took more than one vote. So it's been a while, but it's happened. I think it was nine votes back in 1923, but not unprecedented. 1859, it was 44 rounds. 1849, it was 63 rounds. This was 15. 1855, it was 133 rounds. We'll talk about that coming up. One little sh quick shortcut that the media uses to get you to click on a story is to say that something is unprecedented. And one of the core missions of this show is to make the argument that nothing is unprecedented. <laughs> In fact, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, but that doesn't make as exciting of a headline. So if you're in this group of 20 original 20 holdouts, you think Kevin McCarthy is the establishment the establishment rhino sellout who got us where we are today, who put up no fight for the omnibus bill a couple weeks ago. We'll get to the omnibus bill in a second. Uh, who answers only to the lobbyists and not the people. In the end, McCarthy gave up major concessions to these 20 holdouts to try and get their vote. I think it's easy to say, I, th I think you must conclude that the holdouts won. I mean, yeah, McCarthy's the speaker, but the 20 holdouts got what they wanted in terms of how the Congress is now going to operate moving forward. 
McCarthy gave up so much in these negotiations, it was getting close to the point where the 200 who originally supported him were thinking about giving up their support of him because he gave them so much of what the original 20 holdouts wanted. So a couple of these concessions that are important because a lot of these are going to come up later. Uh, when, with Nancy Pelosi, when she was in charge for 100 years, the it, it required half of the Democrats to trigger what's called a motion to vacate. It's how to overthrow the speaker. And you're going to hear that word again, motion to vacate. Now, it only takes one person to issue the motion to vacate, which could ultimately remove the Speaker of the House. One. It required, with Pelosi, it required half of the Democrats. And the, the 20 holdouts said, no, we want to only do it with one. <laughs> one person. Now, will one member ever do it? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I doubt it. But I don't know. Maybe not. Because. That means to overthrow the speaker, you would need all the Democrats and like five Republicans. I think only five Republicans. That was it. And then you could overthrow the Speaker of the House. Maybe. Maybe that could happen. Motion to vacate. Remember that word. Those words is going to come up again. The Freedom Caucus also will now have one third of the Republican members on the Rules Committee. The Freedom Caucus, I guess you could say the furthest right members of the Republican Party, something like that. So one-third of the Republicans on the Rules Committee are going to be members of the Freedom Caucus. Rules Committee is the last stop that a bill makes before it goes to the floor for a vote. And they decide, among other things, what amendments, if any amendments, will be allowed on the bill. You may hear the word, or have heard the word, germaneness. The Freedom Caucus people vowed to only allow amendments that are germane, means relevant to the bill itself. So if a bill is about farming subsidies, only farming subsidy amendments will be allowed on the bill. That's what the Freedom Caucus people pledge. So no more taking a bill about farming and adding a billion, uh, $1 billion amendments that have nothing to do with farming subsidies to the farming subsidy bill. That's how Nancy Pelosi ran the House. And the Freedom Caucus doesn't want to run that way anymore. And McCarthy said yes. Well, at least he put a third of the Freedom Caucus members on the Rules Committee, which could uh, hopefully they follow through on that. Also, uh, a concession, each appropriation bill will be voted on separately or independently, not all 
clumped together in one giant omnibus package like the Congress passed about three, four weeks ago. He also, McCarthy also promised to hold a vote on border security, hold a vote on term limits. No, whether or not these pass, that's a different story. And of course, whether or not the Senate, and then of course, whether or not Biden signs any of this, those are different questions, but at least the House is going to vote on these. Uh, also, McCarthy promised to allow 72 hours to read a bill before voting on it and promised to not raise the debt ceiling. Now, the one political thing I'll say is from my perspective, these are all good things. These are all obvious things. These are all things that is quite shocking, actually, that there needed to be holdouts in order to get the new speaker to commit to these things. That's a bit odd to me, but that's the final political thing I'll say about it. Those are the concessions and enough of the 20 decided to vote for Kevin McCarthy. And now he's the speaker. We'll see if he follows through on all of this. So what's really going on here? That's the description of what's happening, but what's really going on. So watching it all day for the last week when this was drawn out, there was just a lot of stubbornness. And it was interesting to watch the C-SPAN cameras on all the members and you could see it. <laughs> now there's a fine line perhaps between standing on principle and being stubborn. Standing on principle as a co positive connotation being stubborn, of course a negative one. But what happened here is you had a group of never Kevin and then you had a group of only Kevin because they hated the never Kevin so much that they decided to be only Kevin. <laughs> like, God, geez. And both sides were saying the same thing about the other side. If only, if only those 20 would give up, then we could move on. And the 20 were saying, if only Kevin resigned, then we could move on and pick a consensus leader. So each side was saying, if only, if only they, <laughs> that's never a good start. If only they, if only they weren't so stubborn, says the stubborns. The word stubborn, by the way, comes from the word uh, for stump, stump of a tree. You're like a stump, annoying in the way, not moving. So there's a fine line between doing something out of principle and doing something uh, because you're stubborn. There's also a fine line between doing something out of principle and doing something for show. Some of the 200 McCarthy supporters were saying that uh, there's two groups within the 20 holdouts. The one group we're doing this appropriately out of principle and genuine concern for America. And then the other group were showboaters. They just were using this for their own personal benefit. They were using this to fundraise. They were using this to go on TV, to build their own personal brand. That was the accusation. So what I'm seeing here is stubbornness and pride. That sounds about right. <laughs> so before we break this all down and give some historical perspective and biblical peace. Let's just lament this <laughs> Washington, D.C. How broken. How broken. What a shame, too. I just, I feel like we've created a system now that just attracts a certain type of person to that job. No longer do you have the Davy Crockett's who just want to go and serve a term or two for the people and then go back home. That's not it anymore. I fear the job, how we've created it, the power we've given them uh, attracts a certain type of person. The, the amount of money it takes to run for Congress attracts a certain type of person to run. And they get there and a lot of them make a lot of money when they're there. So they want to stay forever and they live there and they're not representing the people back in their district. And it's, it's just a broken mess. That's the first <laughs> lament. 
the bigger lament that I want to talk about in this episode is, um, well, we, we all, there's an expression, right? You're as stubborn as a what? Stubborn as a, and it's weird that we all answer the same way. We, we, we all know that expression when I don't think of mules ever in life. Like I don't have a mule. I don't, I don't see mules. I don't, it's not like we all have mules laying around so we can like relate to this personally. But whenever the word stubborn is brought up, we all think of mules. You're stubborn as a mule. The Bible speaks to this. Psalm 32, 9 says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. So this is about following God's commands. Don't be stubborn about it. Don't be stubborn about following God's commands. Don't be of the person who God has to use the bit and bridle on to get you to obey. Now, I'm not a horse guy, but my understanding of this, and I look forward to you sending me an email with some greater insight into the bit and bridle. But my understanding is the, 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 the this bit and bridle goes into a horse's mouth and it rests on the part of the horse's mouth where there are no teeth, like in their, like way in the back of their mouth. And the rider can control the horse's head with this. And a little bit of pressure here or there will move the horse in a certain direction. Now, a skilled rider doesn't need to move it a lot. But more importantly here, a well-trained horse doesn't need it moved a lot either. In this analogy, you're the horse. I just want to be, want to be clear. You're the horse. Don't be like the horse who needs to be controlled in a forceful way. As it says, get some understanding. Do not be like the horse of the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by the bit and bridle. Get some understanding. Follow God's commands. That's what it says there. But we're also stubborn. With what? Everything. How often? All the time. Not just with God. We're stuck in our ways. We're not open to change. We're not open to criticism. Not even constructive criticism. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. But even when I ask for constructive criticism, even when I ask for feedback and get it, it still stings and I still don't want to do it. I still want to do the opposite just because you told me to do this in one way. And I, we, we know the proverb is true. 6-4, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's true. Deep down, we know we'd rather receive the truth from a friend, even if it hurts a little bit. That's better than lies and flattery, kisses from an enemy. We know that's true, but still in our life, we prefer the flattery, which results in no change. We don't want change because we're stubborn. Because if we, if we go for the wounds, even when they're from a friend, it means we might have to change in some way. Or even worse, we may have to admit we're wrong. Never want to do that. Has your spouse ever been stubborn about something in your marriage? Has your spouse ever been stubborn? <laughs> yeah, I know all the time. Have you ever been stubborn? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, no, no. Come on, sir. Never. And there's that nuance again. Am I being stubborn or am I being a person of principle? Was Daniel stubborn when he broke the king's law and kept praying? Was he stubborn or was he a man of principle? Similarly, am I being principled when I don't clean the oatmeal pan right away? I think so. I'm letting it soak. I have a principled stance that soaking a pan is best. It's better, it's better to soak it all day than it is just to clean it right there on the spot. I'm very, I'm a, it's my principle. Maybe I'm being a little stubborn. So the lament is, I wish we lived in a world where everyone just agreed with me all the time. That would be so great. No, my lament is that I'm often stubborn and prideful to the detriment of me, to the detriment of the people around me. To the detriment of the uh, my, my family, the people I love the most, and worst of all, to God. And we're going to talk about the joy of obedience coming up in just a little bit. But let's pivot to the uh, history section here. We'll go back to the election of speaker. And if you haven't noticed in this podcast, I think a, a effective podcast episode is when we start with a news story. But by the end, we're talking about you and me. <laughs> right? We're not really talking about the news thing anymore. Although, of course, still relevant. But Alas, a um, little history of the speaker's race. Again, we've been here before, not unprecedented. We survived in the past. We'll survive this one too. Let's talk about the case of 1854. It was really 1855. That's the longest it ever took to name a speaker of the house. It was two months. 1855, right before the Civil War. It was a mess. <laughs> the Congress was a mess. 82 Democrats. We're in the House. That was 36% of the House. There were 51 no-nothings, 96 of the opposition party, and one Republican. They're all those political parties, right? Those three groups combined were 64%. So the issue was slavery. On the first day, 21 people wanted to be Speaker of the House. 21 people put their name forward. Four votes were taken on the first day, and they all split the vote. No one was even close to the majority. The guy who had the most votes, he was a Democrat— he was for allowing slavery in the territories. This was the big issue. We're adding more territories to the United States. Do we allow slavery in those territories? He got 74 votes. He needed 113 to win, so he wasn't there yet. So all the anti-slavery people said, uh-oh, this guy's pretty close. So they all lined up behind their guy. His name was Bobbin Boy Banks. How great is that? Bobbin Boy Banks. He used to work in a textile factory when he was a little boy carrying bobbins of threads to the, the bobbins of thread to the women who operated the looms, right? So, so the nickname stuck, Bobbin Boy. The great Bobbin Boy Banks. So on the uh, 33rd vote, he got 100 votes, and he took the lead over the guy who still had 73 or 74, the Democrat, right? Here's the New York Tribune at the time. This is not a mere contest as to a Speaker of the House. It is but an incident in a long and arduous struggle, which is to determine whether slavery will be the pole star of our national career. And it got violent, which Congress has in the past. 
We told the story before of the caning of Sumner, right? When I grew, when I learned about the caning of Sumner on the Senate floor, I thought it was just like a whack of the cane. And that was, no, no, this was a premeditated near murder on the Senate floor. Unbelievable. But in this story, one night, someone who supported the anti-slavery guy right, was a bobbin boy, was leaving the house, and another congressman came up and attacked him. So here's what the congressman who got attacked, here's what he said. A burly man struck me a stunning blow on the right side of my head and followed it by two or three more as rapidly as possible. He was attacked by another congressman, Albert Rust of Arkansas. They went to fisticuffs. <laughs> like they were actually punching. Could you imagine today if Matt Gates punched Hakeem Jeffries in the face three times? Or if Bobert and AOC just like got at it, hitting each other on the House floor. That's happened before. The closest we got to it the other day, oh, it was a horrific scene. You had McCarthy and the, the I guess, the leader of the, the holdouts, Gates. They were talking to each other at the House floor. It wasn't a very friendly chat, but McCarthy walked away. And as he did, another congressman from Alabama lunged at Matt Gates and was held back by a congressman from North Carolina, pulled Mike Rogers, pulled Mike Rogers back first from the shoulder, and then another hand went over his face to keep him from killing Matt Gates. Oh. It was horrible. My kids were watching. And they said that. They said, Daddy, why did the mean, mean man do that? Gates was just fighting for freedom and democracy. And this other guy had to go and almost killed him. It was, it was nothing. It was like 1% as dramatic as the camera and the pundits made it out to be. So Rogers went to uh, Gates. There were two people sitting between him and Gates. And Rogers later said, I was exasperated that Matt was treating McCarthy so badly. So I just walked over to the end of the aisle a few feet away from where he was seated. And I said, Matt, I'm not going to forget this. And I was about to walk away when the other congressman grabbed me from behind and pulled me backwards. He said the whole thing was a big nothing burger. <laughs> like like the pull, the pullback was wildly unnecessary for that moment there. But the media was so desperate for drama and the pundits could not hush about it. Anyway, back to uh, 1854. So the Democrats are losing now. So they came up with a new strategy. They said, okay, let's all get behind this, uh, this new guy. We're going to get to another guy who's, who's pro-slavery and we'll propose a deal where if no majority is made for the next three votes, then the fourth vote is just whoever gets the most. Whoever's in the lead and they win and that's it. And the Republicans or everyone else went along with it. And uh, the new guy was expected to win. Franklin Pierce, the president, called the new guy to congratulate him before the vote was even taken. The president called to congratulate him for winning. That's how much they thought he was going to win. This is a New Orleans newspaper. The sun rose on an excited city. The excitement had become very great. And then they had the three votes and no one got the majority. The fourth vote with the plurality resolution in place began as the clerk tallied the total. The excited crowd on the floor and in the galleries looked on silence. The suspense at this crisis was agonizing. Every eye turned and every ear inclined with intense interest towards the clerk's desk to hear the result. Just before seven o'clock, the clerk announced the total. 103 votes for Bank, 100 for Aiken. The lawmakers who had been expected to switch to Aiken had not pulled through. As the result, was announced the audience in the galleries manifest their joy by peal after peal of deafening cheers. The ladies waved their handkerchiefs wildly and clapped, and the anti-banks gentlemen stamped and raved and swore. Bobbin boy, 
with his thick, dark hair swept to one side and a prominent mustache obscuring his upper lip, addressed the members from the speaker's chair. He noted the job was now environed with unusual difficulties. <laughs> I'd say, sur- I mean, sur- surrounded with difficulties, just like McCarthy today. He, he, his speakership is going to be environed, surrounded with difficulties. There's no question about that. Anyway, I share that big dramatic tale just because we've done it before. It's nothing new on its own. We, like, same thing. And no one remembers that. No one's like, oh, whew, wow, the speaker's, yeah, the speaker's uh, race of 1855. Yeah, we're, like, no. And this will be another footnote in history as well. By the way, that uh, speaker, Bob and Boy, uh, he just did it for two years and that was it. <laughs> we've, we've lived through it. And I have a feeling this uh, story will be a footnote in history as well. But it gives us a great opportunity to reflect on our own lives of stubbornness and pride. Something that no one wants to do. So if you continue listening from this point forward, well done. So let's go back to the big question. How do we make sense of the difference between stubbornness and principles. Stubborn in the Bible often had a moral connotation. So when Moses was uh, reliving the Israelites worshiping a golden calf, God told Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stubborn people. And the Hebrew word here means hard, cruel, severe, obstinate, intense, vehement, stiff-necked, all bad. Three times in Exodus, it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart, hardened his heart. And the Hebrew word means actually strengthened his heart. means to make strong. Now the Hebrew word there means to strengthen, prevail, harden, be strong, become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, be resolute. Well, hold on. These are positive words. They can be. Although Pharaoh strengthened his heart against God, which of course is bad. Every other time though that that a Hebrew word is used for strengthen, it's a positive connotation. Like Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong. That's that same word, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. He will never leave you or forsake you. So how do we make sense of the difference here? Because we've got the negative, hard, cruel, severe, stiff-necked versus the positive, strengthen, prevail, harden, courageous, firm. So here's the, I think the shortcut, quick trick. This thing you're either stubborn or principled about, Is it about you or is it about something bigger than you? Is it about something that you think will bring glory to you or take away your glory? Or is it about something that will bring glory to God? That's the difference. Philippians 2, Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So he's talking about unity. But okay, that's great. But what would cause disunity? The next sentence. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. That's it. Selfish ambition and conceit. That's where you're going to get in trouble. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So whose example should we follow in looking out for the interests of others? Well, Jesus, of course, who is God, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. A slave to who? God. Jesus obeyed God. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ah, incredible, incredible James 4 right there. The stubbornness and pride, it comes from the desires we have that are not righteous ones. So we got to make sure we have the right desires. Okay, so that sounds great, but how do I get the right desires? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God, he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. To stop being stubborn and prideful. How? By submitting yourself to God. But I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. That's that. I want to do my thing. I, I know that's the stubbornness and the pride. That's it. That's what I don't want to submit. Okay. But you're being stubborn and prideful. Say, so, well, I don't want to submit because obedience is hard. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not hard. And it's way better than anything else. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the opposite. The yoke of not obeying is what's heavy because you're a slave to your lust, your passions, and your sins. You're a slave to something. That's it. You're a slave to something. Pick what you want to be a slave to. You want to be a slave to those desires that will never satiate you, never satisfy you, never fulfill anything in your heart. You can be a slave to those all day long. You want to be a slave to what people think about you. You want to be a slave to the world. You want to be a slave to all these other. You want to be a slave to what you've been a slave to your whole life. How's it going? I'm telling you. Be a slave to Jesus. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Psalm 119.56. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. That's commandments. I followed your law. I've kept your precepts. Obedience brings far deeper pleasure than sin, both now and in the long run. Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's amazing. Now, the prosperity preachers will focus on the give you desires of your heart part. But what's more important in that phrase is delight yourself in the Lord. You are commanded to delight yourself in the Lord. And when you do, when delighting in the Lord becomes an all-consuming passion of your life, then this will shape the desires of your heart. It's not you have desires and if you delight in God, he'll give them to you. No, you delight first. And then your heart will change. If you delight yourself in the Lord fully, that will conform your heart to him. And then your desires will be met. Desires that most people don't even know they want yet. But it's the deepest desire in your heart. People have searched everywhere to find it. But nothing hits the spot. Delight yourself in the Lord, you'll find it. He will give you all the desires of your heart. Clearly, if the desires of your heart is a new Ferrari, that's not what God promises you if you love him. Delight in him and your heart will change to what he wants. Your heart will change and all you will want to do is enjoy him in the full. So what's in my control, Slater? This leads me to one of my favorite verses here. And this ties into the title of the podcast as well. What's in my control? Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every encumbrance, also uh, translated weight. Let us weigh aside every encumbrance and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I got to play this clip from John Piper. Enjoy. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Let us... Chapter 12, verse 1, near the end of the verse. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are a couple of things said here as a means to running. It says, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Not just sins. Don't just lay aside sins to run this race. Lay aside every other weight that gets in your way. What this says is, don't just ask What's wrong with it? Don't just ask, is it a sin? That's about the lowest question you can ask in life. So what, well, preacher, what question should I ask if it's not, is it a sin? And the answer is, does it help me run? That's the answer. Does it get in my way when I'm trying to become more patient? more kind, more gentle, more loving, more holy, more pure, more self-controlled? Does it get in my way or does it help me run? Look to Jesus and lay aside sins for sure and lots of other stuff And a little voice is going to say, this looks like a lot of loss and not much gain. At that point, open your Bible to Hebrews 12:2 and look at how Jesus in Gethsemane said, "Tomorrow morning is going to be a lot of loss. This is going to be mega loss at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. In fact, it's going to happen all night long. I will never sleep again before I die, and it's going to hurt like hell. Literally. How did he do that? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So the answer is, yes, it's going to be loss. But I promise you, on the authority of God's word, the Christian life is gain. Say to the flesh and say to Satan, 
The sufferings of this life are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to me. And so, I will lay aside every weight and I will lay aside every sin and I will run with Jesus. Does it help me run? Ask yourself that. Does this help me run? Final thought to meditate on and think about. Obedience has more joy than sin. There's no joy in stubbornness and pride. Think of others more than yourself. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Whatever quarrels you're in right now, or whatever will come tomorrow, think, am I being principled or am I being stubborn? Is this about something bigger than me, or is it just about me and my fragile pride? One of my favorite parables, Jesus says, if you're invited to a wedding feast, or in the parable, someone is invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the place of honor. Don't just walk in and sit at the, at the best man's table, because then the bride and groom are going to come in and tell you to go sit somewhere of lower status, and that's super embarrassing. Instead, sit at the lowest seat of the table, the lowest seat, sit at the lowest seat until it's impossible to sit at that low seat anymore. We're going to do a whole podcast on just this parable here because it's, it's maybe my favorite one of them all, especially for young men. Sit at the lowest seat of the table, but for everyone. Sit at the lowest seat of the table until it's impossible to sit there anymore because then the bride and groom will come up to you and say, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And here's the key for everyone who exalts. And, but the, real quick, before I get that, when in that, like that makes perfect sense, right? Just from a practical perspective, you walk in, you sit at the best man's table. The, the groom's going to come up. Hey man, sorry, you're not the best man. And that's super embarrassing. But if you sit at the, the kitty table or whatever, right, they're going to be, Hey, come, come on. You're the best man. Come on. Come on. Come on up. Come sit over at this. Right. You'll be like, Oh, it feel great. Take the lowest seat. Why? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. In a perfect world, in the House of Representatives, there will be a lot more humbling. A lot more, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't want the job. <laughs> be a lot more taking the lowest seat at the table. But we don't live in that world. It's fine. But we can still always do the right thing because we know it's a promise. It is a promise that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's our episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, any uh, requests, or something in the news that's causing you anxiety that we can break down. And if you could please leave a review on iTunes, we'd be much appreciated. Hope you can get some sleep. Politics by faith. Mike Slater. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, 
Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.